five, four, three, two, fun. Welcome to another episode of the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, your premier podcast on everything to do with the Vancouver Titans. I am Chris at Lightforce, your regular host and the guy that comes in through your headphones or speakers, whatever it happens to be, you're listening to us on. And I am joined by Omni, who you probably remember from our podcast post-reveal, but Omni is going to be one of our regular co-hosts. Uh, welcome, Omni. How has uh, 2019 been treating you? Ah, it's been going well so far. I'm really, really glad to be back, especially, especially with a, you know, more uh, setup capacity in here. I'm excited to be on the on board with the team, and uh, yeah, looking forward to a lot of good news uh, in 2019. Yeah, as am I. And if you are looking for Omni, he's at OmniStrife on Twitter. He's the guy tweeting the framed uh, autographed T-shirt <laughs> to a picture that I am going to steal. Don't You're ever try. <laughs> Well, I, I saw that uh, people have been asking where you got it framed, where'd you get it? I mean, I actually think it looks real good. And I like how you got like your little road hog with the, uh, was it the uh, wristband that they yeah, had? Yeah, it's the wristbands. I, they kind of operate now as this headbands. It works well. So I'm happy to have well, it. When I first saw the Roadhog, because you'd, you'd shared that picture, you know, some time ago, I'm like, oh man, where did you get the Vancouver Titans Roadhog? Like that's, that's how well that wristband <laughs> works. Funny, funny, yeah, uh, it's a good Funko too. It's one of the best ones in my opinion. All of them kind of look generic and the same, but he's the amount of detail on him is pretty insane. So yeah, props to Funko, I guess. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe if someone from Funko sees that, next thing you know, we'll actually have a uh, Roadhog with a with a headband. <laughs> they might, yeah. But uh, it has been some time since the uh, podcast has been live. So first of all, apologies for that. Uh, a couple things out in the way. One, the holidays. It's a crazy busy time. And then two, I happen to get hit by the flu bug that I, seems to be going around the city of Ankara. I know so many people that got sick. But we are planning now that we're into 2019, recording on a regular basis. In fact, as we get into February, we are going to be transitioning our podcast to a weekly episodic format. So you're going to see a new uh, podcast episode each and every week throughout the entire Overwatch League season. One other component to that transition is currently we're going to be we've been recording on uh, a weekend to a lead up to a a Monday release. Now we're going to transition that off the weekend into a, a midweek record and release uh, for two reasons. One is just from a scheduling perspective for myself, for Omni, for for Sam who will be joining us in uh, in future episodes as well. It's easier for us to get together. But two, when you have the Overwatch League with matches Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, it would make very little sense that we would potentially record an episode 
prior to the conclusion of the week's play. So again, look for that transition to take place early in February. We do plan on having one further episode here in January. We're going to go a couple weeks between. Uh, but uh, again, as we get closer to the season, things are going to pick up. But with all of that said, I think it's about time that we jump ourselves into that uh, segment we call The Payload. Moving the Payload! Join me! So here we are in the payload. We want to talk about everything to do with the Vancouver Titans, which you would think in one month there would be a lot to talk about, but unfortunately there's not. That's not to suggest there is nothing. We aren't in that complete vacuum where we went weeks upon weeks without any information. Mm. One of the cool things that uh, happened uh, in actually just the last week, we saw the, uh, a patch roll out with uh, some... Uh, uh, and experiences we're going to talk about a little bit later in the podcast, but it included the skins to the expansion franchises. And uh, that means the Vancouver Titans skins are now live. Also on top of that, when you buy that skin, you get the home and the away. So you get the, the blue green and then you get the white. Um, Omni, you got some skins, right? I got over just one. So far, unfortunately, I'm planning to get it more, but yeah, it's, Man, I, I remember when they started last season and they had like one free skin and then they had mm -hmm. another like promotion. If you register to the RSS feed, you got another one. But I, I'm hoping they'll get one more out of the door. But I'll, I'll be purchasing more for sure. Yeah, and I, I I must admit, last season when I, when I cashed in on my freebies, I have a uh, uh, Shanghai Dragon skin for Junkrat. And I have a, <laughs> and I have a Florida Mayhem uh, skin for uh, uh, Moira, uh, nice. which I, I can't remember even back then, like why I picked not right. only those skins, but for those characters, um, I, I occasionally play Junkrat, not so much. I, I do play more Moira uh, than, than Junk. So there's some, some sense that's made there, but uh, yeah. I, I too hope that there are at least more opportunities to pick up more skins. Cause yeah, I only picked up one as well. Uh, I had some leftover tokens from watching uh, some Overwatch League last season. And so I picked up the one and only skin that anyone should, should pick up. And, and that's Reinhardt. <laughs> well, I, I, I can agree to disagree, but I, I got a Zenyatta. Mm -hmm. I think he rocks. I play him a lot. Uh, interestingly, while we were on the subject, the ones that I picked up last year were uh, fusions, uh, like a Philadelphia Fusion Farah, and I had, mm -hmm. I think, a Soul Dynasty Diva. Okay. I think I picked up the Diva because the, the colors were nice and because she's Korean, and the Fusion, yeah, was another like one that I really liked. It was really different from the other colors she had. But well, now it, there are so many choices. And and you have, you, at least you have some reasoning. I can't tell you <laughs> why I got like the the Maya Moira and the Shangrats. Oh, like, you just had a good feeling about those two teams, I guess. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Going into the season. But uh, I do know there are a lot of people out there picking up uh, Titan skins, uh, other expansion skins, of course. But um, I was, like, I had never really done the math to, like, how many Overwatch League tokens you would have to acquire and pay for. And uh, when, you know, the conversation first started happening about people like, oh yeah, I'm going to look at my credit card statement. It might hurt, but I have all of them. It's 150 bucks Canadian, might be a little bit less for those of you in the United States or more or less elsewhere, but $150 Canadian to outfit all characters in a mm, Titan skin. Yep. That's just the Titans. Like you want to go and outfit your, your you know, tune or all of them in multiple teams. That's yeah. some serious coin. 
Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a hefty price to do that. And people should still remember this is a business at the bottom of it all. And uh, yeah, if you want to have it all, you, you gotta, you gotta pay out. Yeah. And I, I made the mistake of uh, asking the wife like, Hey, you know, can I, uh, <laughs> can I uh, buy the skin? She's like, Oh yeah, yeah, no problem. You know, I, I get it. You know, you're in your podcast. I'm like, Oh good. She's like, how much will that be? I'm like $150. And she wanted me to cancel the podcast. Oh, so we were able to sort that out, but yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty penny. So if anyone, you know, just has like, is independently wealthy and has all this extra money laying around and you want me to, you know, be rocking something other than a Reinhardt skin, you know, Should hook just, me up. Yeah. We just need to start like a Kickstarter or a GoFundMe <laughs> Go for fund that. Yeah. Yeah. GoFundMe. Yeah. Get ready, set poem, uh, podcast hosts, uh, Vancouver Titan skins. <laughs> But um, beyond the the actual introduction of the Vancouver Titan skins, um, that was really, for lack of a better description, the only Titans news uh, since our last episode, at least until, you know, this past week. In fact, people started asking like, hey, it's been a while. Have you heard anything? And I, I honestly answered no. And I actually got an email from someone to our, our email address, which for those of you who ever want to reach out to the podcast by email, it is feedback at readysetpone.com. And they were asking me like, hey, do you think that the organization is already in trouble? Now, I don't think they are. And the fact that they're not tweeting or posting on Facebook or Instagram or YouTube or have a stream team or anything. No, I think it's just that they almost got themselves, uh, you know, caught up. Uh, oh my God, do we have a franchise? What do we do next? Mm -hmm. But uh, SignCat made an appearance. We had SignCat out for about uh, three days. And I, I want to say that SignCat calling the Vancouver Titans out on Twitter is what compelled them to, to speak up. Yeah, they even replied, like replied to one of my tweets, but we haven't seen a whole lot. Um, they've retweeted a few things. They've uh, liked a few tweets. They've replied to a few others. They had a tweet uh, today showcasing the skins on different characters. Um, but it... it goes back to that question about the email and I'm, I'm asking you this on me, like the fact that they haven't really been all that active through social or any other channel, you know, is that concern or is there concern for that lack of engagement? And, and would you say that it's safe to be worried or is it just a matter of, Hey, you know what? They, there's, there's probably stuff going on and we'll see more. Uh, we will probably see more. I think, there's no reasons to be worried about them being in trouble or I, I do think there's like a concern about them probably deciding to go down that road of all or nothing. Cause remember when we got the reveal, we got so much good info and it was so well delivered. Everything was super professional and super top notch. And then they kind of disappeared. So they have this approach, I guess, of all or nothing currently. And, and it seems like they keep it on the, silent side most of the time but when something is out they go all out uh should we be worried i don't think so it's just a matter of decision making i guess maybe they don't have a proper team currently doing that type of job yet uh i don't know but it's kind of sad i guess because i look at the other teams sometimes and i'm like oh why can't we have that and and i'm kind of jealous at some of the other organizations or what they have been doing on social media yeah yeah. And I, I agree. I don't think there's, there's a need to be too concerned quite yet. Um, the thing to that, I guess it, it, it's more, maybe it's jealousy. I look at the <laughs> Toronto defiant 
and everything that they've been doing. Like they've got a, a, a YouTube series, um, you know, showcasing what's going on behind the scenes. They're active and social. Um, we've got to actually see pictures of what the, the team house looks like. We're, we're getting sort of that inside look and about the only thing that we have gotten from the Titans, like officially is one them signing the t-shirt you currently have framed. We saw them, you know, signing merch. And we saw a picture of them meeting Francesco Aquilini, who owns Aquilini Investment Group, who was ultimately the owner of the Titans. Mm -hmm. That's it. There were some pictures shared through uh, one of the local outlets of the team house. But again, that's not an official channel. And I'm kind of intrigued that it only came out through one of the the local outlets is Daily Hive. And uh, that in my mind, seems like, why would they get that, that type of showcase info, but no one else share it. So again, I, I, I will hold uh, my, uh, my, oh my God, that house is awesome. A comment until we actually know it's theirs. <laughs> but again, these, look at these opportunities. Like there's, there are little things they could be doing and they could have been doing all along to continue to maintain hype. We were, we were actually chatting before uh, we clicked record here about numbers and you know, monitoring sort of the Vancouver Titans social chatter on Twitter, I've noticed that the lead up to reveal reveal itself, we were seeing hundreds of, of tweets and mentions and the conversations that were taking place about the Titans. And then as we saw, you know, X number of days since reveal, the chatter started to dwindle. And really the only driving factor between a lot of the conversation that people are having has to do with the fans perpetuating between themselves, um, ourselves here at Ready, Set, Pone, and us driving the conversation. Now, I think that's great. I think it would be good to foster that organic growth in the social connection. But still, if you think about it in a, a perspective of gardening, the gardener should maybe fertilize the conversation every so often with content, which is what's, what's been lacking. Yeah. What I'm most fearful about is if they, it kind of feels like it's, yeah, we have a team. We have an esports team, and I think they have the same people who manage like the Canucks side of things in terms of PR and social media, and and they're kind of treating it like a oh, this is a quite interesting side project, and it'll probably pick up once the games start. But while this could work, and obviously as the season will begin, uh, people will be more in tune, and there will be more news. But still. I can't help but like see what other teams are doing and in terms of like the videos they put out and the backgrounds that they do about the, 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 the players. And we haven't done that. And sadly, even we've had, when I was in the reveal, when they showed that great, awesome uh, branding reveal video and when they showed like the, the guys walking around Vancouver, there was another video there that was shown right after that, where they interviewed some of the players and it was very well produced. It was quite funny. The guys were talking to each other and they discussed a little bit what they think about the city, uh, what they look forward in, in the season. And I was looking everywhere for that video and it's nowhere to be found. So that's the, the kind of content we need. And it's out there. It's just a matter of someone just pushing that upload button and putting it out there. So they put a lot of money in the reveal and, and a lot of People who know what they're doing were obviously behind it. Good direction, good post production, but nobody is actually like pushing it, doing the, the the you know the okay uh, decision to just put it out there and for us to enjoy and, and yeah discuss. Yeah, and I I think you you pointed out uh, you know uh, 
a good thought. Is this something that's currently being managed by the Canucks organization as a side project, something that's on the corner of their desk, which then would almost make sense as to why it's maybe not gotten the attention that it's truly deserved because, you know, it's Vancouver Canucks middle of the season. Uh, you know, they've got a lot already going on. They probably already have a social schedule and all that. So the lot that like what little time they have is, is the two tweets that we've seen in one day from at Vancouver Titans. Uh, as to the video you're referencing, you're right. That video was really well done. Now I think they engaged a third party to put it together, mm. but imagine if we saw that type of content, you know, pack, even if it was prepackaged where the, the players themselves were almost interviewing each other and having that conversation and talking about their experience, talking mm-hmm. about Vancouver, talking about, you know, the upcoming season, other teams, other places. Like, I think there's an opportunity that the organization has had that they've allowed to go to waste. It's just the hype train that they had running, you know, was going hard to reveal, was pushing huge momentum. And it went into a tunnel and it never came out the other side. It's completely disappeared. That's unfortunate. Yep. Especially considering uh, the type of demand there is here and also in Korea. That's true. And that's, you know, that's an audience that I think they need to, you know, further engage with. You have the connection to Runaway. You have this extremely large fan base, but this is the opportunity you can now talk about, you know, Vancouver and the Titans and get people to transition away from this being quote unquote Vancouver Runaway. Mm-hmm. Anyway. We're going to take a, a quick break, though. As we said, we didn't have all that much to talk about in the Titans before we jump into uh, the fray. So as we do with every episode with the fray, we talk about everything and anything else that we might feel is relevant to the Overwatch League, to Overwatch itself, or whatever topic that really comes to mind. And the one that I actually wanted to, to touch on first had to do with uh, uh, what I guess would be best defined as an experiment. So for those that uh, weren't aware, uh, just, uh, sort of at the tail end of, of last year, um, a North American contenders team, second win, they had made an announcement. They had added Ellie, who happened to be a female player, um, you know, who was, you know, top 500 within the, the competitive, uh, ranking system to their roster. Um, soon after that, there started to be a lot of chatter that Ellie wasn't real. And ultimately, um, early this year, uh, it was announced that uh, not only had Ellie left second win, but Ellie wasn't actually Ellie. Ellie was a uh, a ghost, a, a figment of someone's imagination, uh, a guy uh, uh, known as, I think it was, was Punisher? Yeah. Yeah, who, who created Ellie as a, a social experiment. And ultimately, the, the conversation was that Punisher created Ellie to showcase how toxic 
the environment is for, for female Overwatch uh, players. Now, I don't want to get too in-depth into that topic because I think there is already a lot of information out there. And quite frankly, um, myself being something, I, our, our perspective in the lens that we have isn't that of a, of a female Overwatch player or, or a, you know, gamer for that matter who could you know, provide a much better perspective than we could. But I, it, it's really odd that in one instance, someone felt that, hey, I'm going to go and create this this you know, second account. I'm going to pretend to be someone else entirely. And not only that, was able to get picked up by a contenders team. I think for me, that's the biggest whiskey tango foxtrot, is that a team signs someone who did not exist. Right. Or used basically a fake ID or a fake persona. Yeah, it's like that to me is is shocking. Now I know that that not every organization has the structure to be able to go and invet, um, but that that to me is really odd. I mean, that would be no different than than any other sort of professional organization out there. You know, bringing a player into the team who doesn't excel. Well, granted. Um, Canadian football, like CFL, uh, a previous iteration of the Ottawa team. At the time, they were known as the uh, Ottawa Rough Riders. They drafted a player who was deceased. Wow. So, I mean, I guess things happen um, where, you know, someone doesn't do due diligence and, and ultimately, uh, you know, a mistake is made. But this is, this is really, really weird. Now, what I did want to sort of uh, talk about is, is just more in um, your experience and what you've seen. But, like... It begs the question, like we look at Overwatch League, there's what, one, one player right now, one, one woman. Um, and I, I know that, that the, uh, uh, there are more involved on the organizational side, but why is that? Is that, is that to do with the environment? Like there are some really, you know, good players out there. Like Fran, she's on the Atlanta Rain stream team. She represents the stream team. She is an awesome Anna. I mean, she's an awesome Overwatch League player to begin with, but why is it that we don't see a, a Fran being able to take that next step? I think uh, it's more of a product of the times. I think it's great that we have uh, Gigori and other pros, and we saw a bunch of other girls, real girls this time, playing in open division and some contenders. Uh, the fact that there are so little, it's just a process that takes time because gaming community has been known to be not quite welcoming to, mm -hmm. um, say, uh, females or minorities at a time because oh, that, that destructive power of anonymity, we know all about it. And fortunately enough, it has been improving. It's not perfect, obviously, but... Uh, let's say that five years ago, we wouldn't have even a Gaguri, right? So if True. we look maybe five years in the future, hopefully we'll get closer to 10% than 15%. And it's so important to have those, you know, girls who play out there in Twitch, uh, like Fran, Aspen, all of those amazing, amazing gamers and show that, yeah, it's possible. And even Gaguri, she, she's doing great. She's She's not just like a, a token girl to play on Shanghai Dragons. She's she's better than a lot of Plex tanks that there are in in Overwatch League, in my opinion. Um, for example, Zephyr 
or <laughs> who's actually had an unfortunate uh, encounter with her in the past with Kiguri, which was quite... Uh, let's not go back to uh, player's mm-hmm. history now. But yeah, I think it's great to see that there is some progress. And this this event or whatever happened with Ellie, it's so unfortunate both on the side of Punisher, who I don't know what his goal was from the get-go, but I don't think he achieved it. Only like negativity came out of it. And sadly, how mismanaged maybe some of the teams are in in Tier 2, which continues to prove that Blizzard maybe not as invested in it as we wanted it to be. Uh, yeah, but like you said, stuff like that sometimes happens in uh, like classic, traditional um, sporting uh, leagues. If you look at a, at a competition where it's an eSport, where you're not even like sometimes playing at a venue like you would in Overwatch League, I guess it's way easier to do that. But but teams must vet, uh, obviously, their, their signed players. These are players that they signed to a contract, which is kind of ridiculous. I know it's still in an investigation, but I, at least in my opinion, I think that Second Wind knew about what was going on, and we'll probably hear more news about it as that investigation develops yeah and and that's that's what's as i say that's the biggest whiskey tango foxtrot for me and i for those who don't understand the whiskey tango foxtrot google it and you'll find all sorts of things um it's that yeah second win in a professional capacity was able to go and and sign quote-unquote sign someone who did not exist uh, more to the point though on on sort of the harassment of women within the esports uh, world and and really online world it's unfortunate like i'm i have a certain newfound appreciation to what you know women are experiencing and that has a lot to do with the fact that i i have a little girl who you know i tell my wife each and every day i really hope she becomes a gamer because i need someone to help carry me in overwatch and i you know my daughter can do that but uh i I just i think the point that you raised about it's not just restricted to esports it's something we see in sports in general like i um had an opportunity to go watch the opening uh, or the home opener for the lacrosse national lacrosse league team, the Vancouver warriors. And when the opposing team comes out on the floor, the organization is playing Shania Twain's man. I feel like a woman. So the implication that they're trying to, you know, per purvey is that, you know, uh, women are somehow less or it's, it is an insult to be a woman. Mm-hmm. And, uh, to me, I, that's not right. So I, I do hope that we see, uh, you know, a transition. I hope as an organization goes, I think the Vancouver Titans are in a really good space where they've, they've seen what the, their predecessors have done. It can embrace not only sort of, you know, the female players, but, you know, players of all, uh, creed, creeds, color, straight stripes, you name it and be, you know, very much at a, uh, an opportunity for, for anyone who just happens to be great. At, you know, a game I, I love playing. But enough about the, the Ellie issue. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the new lore that was uh, introduced, but also a patch. Uh, it int- provided uh, cosmetics for Anna's Bastet. So for those of you who aren't aware, you have until I think it's the 21st to get yourself nine wins to score and unlock uh, an Anna skin. Um, there's also some, some sprays and, uh, and icons you can get not only by getting those nine wins, but watching a number of different, uh, uh, blizzard sponsored, uh, overwatch uh, streams, mm-hmm. but the component that uh, I just wanted to touch on was to do with the lore and how through the, the story, the Bastet story is that, uh, you know, soldier is gay and 
when that came out, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Like, I, I, to me, one, it's a fictional character, so it has absolutely no bearing. But really, I don't, I have no care in the world. I mean, I'm a firm believer, love is love. But uh, it's interesting that that also generated, uh, for lack of a better word, conversation, right? Yeah. Like, like I, I don't see how that's such a Like, I, I now actually play matches where if, if you choose soldier, like I need a hit scan character to deal with that Farah, and I happen to play soldier because that's the one that I can ultimately, you know, play well enough to, to fill that role. There is a one in 12 chance that someone's now going to reference right. that. And like, it's so bizarre to me. And I, I guess I shouldn't, I shouldn't be naive to the fact that one, we are dealing within gaming of a vast number of maturity levels, but how that's even a problem. Like, again, I, I'm, I guess this is just me more ranting than anything really wanting to discuss it. But yeah, well, I totally agree. I think there's a, obviously a negative side of how is that still uh, controversial? How is that still like causing people to bring out the ugliest side of them, obviously, but the positive here is I'm glad that Overwatch is um, doing this because hopefully <laughs> in the future, like I said, this will not be a big deal. This will be like, oh, okay, more of like how, you know, you and I uh, accept this and having like uh, different representations in your heroes. And, and this is like very apparent with Overwatch. You have uh, people of different creeds, different uh, backgrounds, uh, body shapes, uh, you know, and nobody there is like your token, uh, girl with a super suggestive build. Everybody's like, you know, they kind of try to portray this overwatch is always about like the, not that far away, uh, distant, uh, future. Mm -hmm. And I really like how they represent, uh, women characters or maybe like people who are of the LGBT community. And yeah, they can be a badass. They can be a, a, a powerful uh, hero. And, and this is why you can see like the amount of players who play Overwatch uh, still not a 50-50 representation, but I assume that there's a lot of uh, females who play Overwatch or watch streams or even come to the Blizzard Arena. And you can tell that there's a lot of... Uh, uh, girls or women out there that you wouldn't see like in a street fighter, maybe uh, tournament or uh, maybe in Starcraft. Um, I'm, I haven't done the research behind it, but I, I can hundred percent assure you that we have more uh, women or girls uh, watching or participating in, in some capacity. And, and this goes from from having these different characters of different you know that, that diverse representation is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, and I, I I agree. I think Overwatch does a a good job at at portraying. Um, you know, it's the utopian society. Like I I'm old, so I grew up in the world of the original Star Trek. And for those that that did not or don't understand the background, uh, Gene Roddenberry, who you know, came up with the idea, had this belief of this very, you know, utopian society. It's one of the reasons why you look at like the original Star Trek TV series, which I know I was going way back, was doing things on television that television just did not do. 
Um, mm. you know, whether it be interrelation, interracial relationships, um, uh, putting, uh, you know, women and, 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 and these different alien characters into roles that just, you know, at the time just did not fit. And or I, like I women led societies as well. Yeah, ex- exactly. And, and that's where, in, in my mind, like that's, you know, so yeah, we talk about it being utopia. That's really where we need, you know, as a society to get to. And I know that we're not turning into our, our Overwatch League podcast to, to hear us sort of ramble on about it to ad nauseum, but I think it's important. And I, I am wanting and hoping that Blizzard continues to sort of challenge the norm. Um, I'm not going to say they're perfect. I do think occasionally they they make mistakes, but they own them, and then they look to do better. And that's really all that you can ask for. Right. No one organization will ever be perfect. It's being able to say, hey, we, we, we could do this better, and then doing it better. Um, but as far as I'm concerned, like the, the introduction of the lore and the fact that, uh, you know, soldiers reminiscing about uh, time with Vincent and Vincent as a character might be something that we can see introduced uh, down the road. Um, that's what I care about. Like to me, it's like, Oh, what are we going to see in the future? What more will we, right. will we see in game? It's stepping away from those stereotypes and soldiers like your, you know, one of the most macho characters there, oh, yeah. old gruff soldier. It's not like they took somebody who was like, you could, guess it about them right so that's yeah, yeah, a good yeah the quote-unquote alpha male right right like yeah i think i actually would i you know would i have been the guy to have guessed that prior to you know the introduction of, of bastet no i i'll be very honest i would not have right. even suggested that because stereotypically that's not the character that fulfills that role yeah. but the fact that it is no qualms for me and yeah. i think it's actually perfect Agreed. Now, into the game itself, let's talk a little bit about what's going on in the PTR. So just to, again, uh, give a, an idea for those that may not be completely aware of what's on the PTR, um, what we're seeing right now are some changes to the effectiveness of armor. So uh, tanks who have armor, uh, Torbjorn, uh, Brigida being able to toss armor and, and her armor alt. Um, ultimately, the effectiveness of armor is being reduced from what was previously a reduction of five to uh, a reduction of three. So we're seeing a nerf to armor. And then the other change on uh, the nerf side is that uh, Diva's defense matrix is going to increase in cooldown from one second to two. Um, and in in doing that, it's to try to one um, make I, I, and I, from what I understand, what I've read, make tanks a little less so, quote unquote tanky in different situations, mm-hmm. especially where armor's at play. Um, and then with Diva's defense matrix, it's just her ability to eat. <laughs> anything, primarily alts. Um, but the other change, which is really interesting as to its timing because of how well the Reaper as a character goes at, at to dealing with tanks is the fact that his ability that gives him the, uh, the heal over time with damage reaping is where he, you know, is able to, to self heal is going from a 30% return to a 50% return. So for every two damage points, reaper will deal he will gain one health point now when seeing some of the early results of this there was a a clip of fisher with a a reaper alt essentially getting a team kill where he is dealing more damage than all six of a traditional character composition could deal directly to him 
because of the reaping ability. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously it's still in the PTR. It is subject to see change, but I do get where, where Blizzard is looking at this as saying, we're trying to sort of change the meta with how well tanks can tank, so to speak, and then giving Reaper a little more um, versatility. But as you know, I'll give you a moment to touch on, it doesn't seem that that's driving the change to the meta they hoped. Yeah, I think it's a direct result of trying to sort of balance the game around esports, the the highest level of play with Overwatch League and the ladder, including bronze, silver, gold, and plat together. So there's a huge gap of what what the result of that patch will be. It's quite unfortunate to see um, tanks and healers getting, you know, the, the, the bad side of a patch in here because... If you go to the ladder, if you go a little bit below diamond, nobody's really playing goats or really wants to play goats. So it's like of a solution to a problem that doesn't really exist. But they really want to balance that game across the board with uh, your Watch League as well. And with goats, it's so powerful. Even though those changes that you mentioned to Reaper and the reduction of of uh, tanking, essentially, we even saw the tra- the tourney that Jane did on uh ptr and it seems like goat is the goats is still the go-to uh meta and nobody likes playing it nobody likes watching it so it's kind of a tear now like maybe (laughs) what i'm i'm not a big analyst and i'm not really a pro but my theory is that when when this this team goats came up with this meta i think they never expected it to be that good maybe uh the fact of the matter is that once you have three healers and three tanks, uh, maybe it always was the best like approach to actually winning the game because tank- tanks are so tanky and healers are mm. healing so well that nothing really dies. And if you really commit to it, it's really hard to do anything. And now how do you destroy it? Do you just make tanks less tanky or like output less damage and healers will have subsequently will need to be doing less healing, which is rather unfortunate because when you go into solo queue, let me tell you that, uh, you, you don't have too much tanking or too much healing. <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm, I'm, there's no way I'm not the only Reinhardt right. you know, exists right. or, yeah. or the only Moira. And I only do Moira because I can't heal with, with Mercy right. as, as well. But... Uh, same you know, for myself. When I wait to see what the team picks, and I'm like, okay, I'll either play Zen, Diva, whatever. Mm-hmm. But looking as this patch will come out, you will have your token Reaper for sure. Uh, Diva will probably be played less. Um, yeah, it, it's unfortunate. I, I, it's hard for me to see a world, and that's the world where, where Blizzard is aiming towards, where you can balance the same game with the same rules towards the highest of, of professional play and to, you know, the, the casual players who are playing on solo queue. Yeah. And I, I, I don't disagree with that. I think they are in a tough spot because they ultimately, I think from a, a patching perspective, especially with the way Overwatch is designed today, they need to now start looking at sort of the, the upper echelon of, of both the ladder, but ultimately, you know, the, the pinnacle being Overwatch like, they need to ensure that they're creating a competitive game. Right. Where that problem starts to exist is as you get down the ladder, as we sort of just alluded to, like, yeah, I don't know how many times I'll, I'll jump into a solo queue. 
And I, I, I would not suggest that I'm a versatile player. Like I'm not going to, I can't go out and just pick any tune and I, I can play. Like I, uh, when I play mystery heroes, if I get a widow, a Hanzo or a Doomfist, that's essentially me feeding the team. Yeah. Right. Like there's, there's characters I just can't, can't play. Mm-hmm. But when I solo queue, the reason I, I wait is I, I'm thinking of the team. Well, I can, I can tank, I can heal if need be, and I can play a few of the damage uh, characters, but it's interesting in 10 matches. I maybe damage once. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like it's, and it's not because I'm looking to choose tank or support as, as my, well, I am, I'm a Reinhardt main, let's be honest, but the, I very rarely have trouble picking Reinhardt, <laughs> right? Like it's not like I'm, I'm fighting over someone who's got a little marker on their monitor that puts them right where Ash needs to be. Right. Like, yeah. And I, I wonder, and this sort of where I'm getting to is that, could it be that at some point Blizzard doesn't look at either a nerf or buff to a particular character, but takes a further step to how character selection happens. So if we recall when Overwatch launched, essentially every mode was no limits. Right. Like I remember playing a, a, a round on Hanamura where five Winstons come flying over the top. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, <laughs> essentially they got point, point A real quick because we had absolutely yeah. nothing to deal with it. Now, what occurred is Blizzard said, yeah, you know what? No limits isn't maybe the best place to be. So we're going to go and we're going to single choice. Well, could it be that they now go and they enforce a meta of selection that yep. there needs to be, you know, whether it be arguably a two, two, two or one, one with a four and maybe that four being damage. Um, I'm not suggesting that's the solution and I'm not suggesting that that proposal even makes sense, but I, part of me wonders, do they get to that level? Another a conversation that's come up is do they go with uh, character lockouts by vote? So each team gets to go and lock out X number of picks. Mm-hmm. And so if they were to go and block out Diva, Diva's blocked out for both sides but they only get like one or two of them and you have to, you know, and that again introduces the layer of, Oh, well we're playing against, you know, so-and-so and by, you know, taking Reinhardt out of the picture that hamstrings the team. Like I don't necessarily see that being the solution, especially as we get into, um, you know, how esports is trending, but like I sort of start talking about these creative solutions. Do you think Blizzard gets to that, that place where they start looking at more creative opportunities i think they're struggling with this um approach as well it's some it's a question of whether they want to have the most balanced game or the most entertaining game and i think that blizzard still believes that they can do both at the same time i don't know if they can essentially doing hero bands implementing a force two to two is them admitting it at it's, it's them admitting that, yes, we cannot really figure it out with balancing the different heroes. And we need to do this to make the game more entertaining and more creative. A lot of the pros have come out and said just this, that it's impossible to uh, to balance in the way that this game is played. Like Taimu went out and did that. And a lot of the pros are, are up for playing a more entertaining game, a more fun game, even before, like... Um, 
you know, looking at what's the best meta, and, and but mm-hmm. they are paid to win. That's essentially what the Overwatch League is about. And what do you do if you really want to? It's sad. I, I think it cannot proceed in the way that it is right now with having, like, say, a game of Philadelphia Fusion versus Dallas Fuel, for example. And it's the best, most talented players in the world. And you will see what you will see is you'll see effect versus EQO and both players will be on Brigida. That cannot exist <laughs> the way that it is now. And that's the and that's the current situation. If you want to win, you will play GOATS and your DPS player will be on Brigida. Mm-hmm. And it's not optimal. So they are trying. They did this big patch, which was rather controversial. And it was a, a big, big changes were made. But still, it's not enough. So... Maybe it is them admitting that, well, we can't balance this. Maybe we need to do uh, hero bans. Maybe it's a 2 2 2 forced uh, situation. But then again, like you'd want to see like triple something and you want the players to be creative. Uh, hero bans kind of looks creative. Some people criticize it as being, okay, well, both teams will probably ban Diva or they will probably ban um, Brigida or something like that. It will be the same that the, there'll be just a new new meta that mm-hmm. everybody will get accustomed to playing with but maybe they'll need to uh spice it up a little with maybe random bands i don't know maybe each team banning a different hero and then you have two random uh heroes banned it will be maybe um situational depending on what map you play or what game mode you play i don't know uh it seems like goats is still the go-to move, and I think that Blizzard knows. Like, how can they not know? I mean, they're trying to kind of heal it. It's almost as bad as what we saw. I, well, maybe it's the same level of when when the Mercy meta was uh, happening during uh, the Overwatch League uh, beginning, and and people complained all the time, and pros complained all the time, and people still watched, and still they were good games, but. Once that got fixed, uh, the level of play and the level of entertainment was way higher, in my opinion, and everybody agreed. Last thing that I will say on this subject is, even when I watched the the pugs, the pickup games that they did on PTR, um, you could hear the comms of the players uh, when they played. And whenever they kind of went off to play DPS, they were so happy. They had so much fun. They... The plays were great, and and it seemed like the players were a lot happier and felt more uh, motivated to do that. But once the other team will go goats, you cannot really do anything. You have to adapt and do that yourself. Yeah, and and the two points that that really resonate that you just raised with me. First of all, damage players picking Brigida, like the fact that Brigida is that you know quote unquote well rounded support. I think it's quite telling, but two, I mean, look at the lower levels of, of any ladder it's damage. Damage is never an issue. I mean, I, I don't know how many times I've jumped into a, you know, the solo queue and it's five DPS characters. Uh, and at this point I'm, if I want to be team, I'm choosing, do I go a tank where I'm kind of thinking I need to go roadhog at that point? Cause I need a heal. Or do I go with a healer where we don't have anything to tank? And if that's the case, I might go with a, a, a Brigida where I quote unquote a support tank. But you're right. It, it, the, the more fun is had when damage is used. But when Goat shows up on the scene, the way the game is structured today, 
there there isn't a solution other than balancing what you see on the other side. Um, and I don't know what the solution. I'm not smart enough. You, you raised it. We're not the analytics people out there. I think we'll we'll see Blizzard continue to play. Um, you know, this is one of the few esports leagues that gets impacted by, you know, seasonal patching. It's not like they stop patching the game. It's not like they stop introducing new maps and, and mm-hmm. new ways to play the game. Blizzard is not afraid to experiment. Um, it's just going to be interesting to see what type of experimentation they continue to, to do and how long as, as esports goes, do the fans sort of allow them to do that before, you know, people begin to themselves, you know, potentially get bored or tune up because it's just the same old, same old. Um, all I know is I know we'll have the solution when Torb picks happen more frequently. Oh, and with uh, the Fran coming into the Overwatch League, <laughs> you can be sure that it will happen. If, if, <laughs> if it's valid, he'll go for it. Yeah, you know, if yeah, when, once we start hearing molten gore, you know, yeah. we know the, the solution's been found. Yeah. But uh, as we look to, to wrap things up on, on this particular episode, I did want to sort of uh, share a few things about uh, Ready, Set, Pwn. As I mentioned at the top, we are currently getting a viewing party set up. Uh, I hope to have some details in the coming weeks. The likelihood is, is we'll probably be able to release some more information before the next podcast episode. So how do you stay on top of that type of news? Well, the easiest way is to join our Discord server. Uh, just go to bit.ly slash RSP discord. That'll get you right in. If that's too difficult, go to our Twitter account, which is at ready set pone, R E D R R E A D Y S E T P W N. It is the pin tweet. We got a link to invite you to the, the discord server. Lots of good conversation there. Um, currently the worry is that, uh, Sam's going to reveal me as a mole for luminosity gaming. <laughs> and uh, a couple people would be upset that, uh, you know, I've been the guy when I'm not, um, we also, you know, share news is coming in. Lots of people talking about lots of things. Like, for instance, uh, we didn't get into it today, but uh, uh, New York's Academy team made some changes. And could those changes be good things for Vancouver? Hey, Mangachu is available. If we want to to get sort of, you know, Canadian Overwatch uh, players a means to, to be more supported, what better place in Vancouver? So we got to talk about that. We also uh, do want to share that uh, uh, the Vancouver Titans unofficial Reddit is available. Um, that is uh, another place that you can go to get information. And it's those two, both Discord, our Twitter account, and Reddit, where we'll, we'll share the details of this uh, viewing party that we're looking to, to line up. But uh, before we, we jump off, on anything that, uh, any final thoughts you wanted to share with our listeners? Uh, not really. Not really. Looking forward to the season is all. Uh, we'll be definitely joining the viewing party once that's set up, and uh, we'll see you guys and girls there. That's right. And oh, speaking of which, season is upcoming. For those of you who need that reminder, oh my goodness, when is every match? How will I be able to keep track of when the Titans are playing? We've got you covered there too. We're going to be sharing a link uh, to a calendar that's been created. Uh, it's an iCal format, Google Calendar format. So whichever type of calendar you might use, you'll be able to import it. It's going to be maintained throughout the season. So any Vancouver Titans related events uh, will ensure is included in that. Uh, link's going to be available in Discord. It's already available on the Reddit. We've tweeted it out. It's going to be thrown up on readysetpone.com. So again, uh, you can find that any which way. But uh, as we sign off every episode, if you have any feedback for us, you want to either hear something different, uh, you don't think we're all that good, or maybe you just want to you know, talk to us about something, maybe get involved. 
email address is feedback at readysetpone.com. If you're looking for us at Twitter, it is at readysetpone. Our website's readysetpone.com. Want to talk to Omni directly? He's at Omni Strife on Twitter. I'm Chris at Lightforce. And Sam, if you want to harass him for not being here for this episode, he is at another Sam Chan. Although he goes by Polo Frito in Discord, which is kind of confusing. I'll Fried make chicken. sure to do that as well. Harass yeah. him a bit. Yeah, harassing Sam is always good. But on behalf of Omni, myself, Chris, and the missing in action Sam, who hopefully will be here for the next episode, we have two words we use to sign off every podcast episode, and that is catchphrase. Thank you.